Mr. Pop. One small step for woman, one big f up for the fine family. <laughs> <laughs> he feels better now, everybody. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix, and Mark Fine. Just you see the three puffs of spoke when the when the when the new Pope gets you know uh, yeah, selected. Yeah. It's just okay. like that now. I've taken up vaping. <laughs> There's three puffs of smoke on up there and the podcast appears. It's like magic. <laughs> Poof. There you go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rock and Roll. <coughs> uh, welcome, Mark Fine. How are you? You're vaping. Well, I've, you know, you've got to try it. All the kids are doing it. Uh, well, let's find out what the kids are doing because I think the other bloke on the podcast is still smoking. Hello, Brian Mannix. No, I've had a good day off the smokes today. Oh. I've... Um... I've only had three. I put a patch on. I thought, no, no, we're gonna we're gonna get off the smokes again. And um, I'm just wondering about the puffs that Viney's um, <laughs> doing. I, I heard that Pope George was sick, <laughs> or, or Pope Francis was sick. So, do we have a new pope? Is that what? This well, is we might about? have by the end of the podcast. Hey, got to ask you. Uh, vaping seems to me the little I've seen of it, and I saw some of it the other night at my son's graduation <laughs> from his mates. Um, it seems to uh, – there's enormous amount of smoke. Yeah, that's what I like. Yeah. Makes an, imp- makes an impression. Look – Does it ever? I mean, it hasn't been around long enough to know what it does to you, but apparently it's not as bad as smoking and I'm using it to regress back. Yeah, fair enough. Whatever whatever floats your boat. Mannix, Mannix has gone on the patches. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. The- now, we've all smoked – all three of us have been smokers. I, I have now not smoked for uh, – Shit, how long? 30-odd 30, 30 years, I think, now since I've actually had a smoke. Um, what a quitter. Yeah, exactly. I tried everything. I uh, I went, I went. me and my mate went to hypnotherapy one night in St Kilda Road. I remember it well because we, we lit up before we got to the car after we walked out of the thing. I tried um, uh, acupuncture. I tried, uh, in the end, patches work for me, but uh, I tried every single possible thing you could try. I tried and none of them worked until the day that I actually said, you know what, I don't want to smoke anymore. You've got to have your head right. Yeah. I remember when I did um, hypnosis, yeah, I didn't smoke for a few days because I just thought if I do, I've just blown 500 bucks. It was pretty expensive. (laughs) I remember that. It was the cost of the hypnosis more than anything the hypnosis did. I thought, well, I've spent the money. I better, you know, get on board. A a good mate of mine did hypnosis. For smoking, mm-hmm. he never did not work at all. Did not stop smoking, but every time he heard a bell, he cocked his leg and peed <laughs> on a tree and, <laughs> and, roll, and rolled over and played dead. I wanted to, I wanted him to do that to my mate who we both we went together into St Kilda Road, and I wanted them to do that, but they didn't find that terribly amusing uh, <laughs> for some reason. Uh, well, well, good luck with the with the vaping. I oh, got it. Looks like we're in the middle of I don't know what. It looks like a plane's taking off every time Finey goes near his um, near his mouth. Welcome to uh, this fabulous little podcast. Um, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, a lot of sport things happening. Uh, we got a terrific topic uh, last week. We did the three women we'd most like to interview. This week it's the three men you'd most like to interview. And I I must admit I have a list that could go as long as you know forever in a day of interesting people I want to talk to. Um, uh, you two have the same experience with this? 
Well, funny you should say a list as long as because John Homer was in my shortlist. <laughs> he's not. He's never been on anybody's shortlist. Funny, <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons. How about you, Mano? What did you? What did you? Did you gravitate towards? And we'll talk about it more when we get to it. But I just uh, want to know: Do you gravitate towards musical people or which area? Um, I've got um, I've got sort of one of each. Um, well, but I'm sort of struggling. There's there's two in one category, and I'm not sure which one to go with. But I'll have that decided um, when I when I get to that point. But, right. um, there's two guys that could be my number two. Yep. I've had a, I've had a big bet with sports bet for <laughs> one of Brian's, but I'll let that. Well, we'll save it till the end. I'm so, I'm certain he's got somebody in there, but I could be wrong. Okay, I'm going to text you who I think that is that you're you're thinking, and let yeah. me know. Let me know if it's the uh, the person that I'm thinking now. Now, I wonder. I wonder. Start two sensible things here uh, to start off, just for a change. Okay. Um, I want to talk to Finey, you as a retailer, uh, what Christmas looks like for you and for the retail industry, and in particular your industry. Um, you're obviously doing Reno, so you're, you're working around that. But is it going to be a good Christmas? In, in a prosperous financial way for, for businesses and, and people? Well, not for me because my clientele is predominantly Jewish, doesn't yep. celebrate Christmas. Um, in fact, most of them go away. So we close over Christmas. Well, we were going to close over Christmas, right. but we had oh, oh, oh. a <laughs> last week and, yeah, really bad. I mean, we're sort of struggling with it. We're just coming to terms with it. But um, Tuesday night, Natalie broke her foot. And we were planning the trip of a lifetime to Europe. It really was our our, our trip of a lifetime. Oh, sounds I can see like Natalie got, got on his <laughs> list. Sounds like, sounds like Natalie already had the trip of a lifetime. <laughs> oh, oh, very nice, Brian. That's how the foot got broken. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. People Sorry. are saying, are, "Are you going away over summer?" And we said, "No, next fall." Um, <laughs> oh, but- <laughs> oh, you boys! Have you boys been rehearsing? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That Maury Fields joke book we found is really paying off. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back at 11.30 for the midnight show. It's a bit blue, so put the kids to bed. <laughs> um, so so what, what happened with Nat? So we've got this, I don't want to swear, yep. we've, got a, we've got two dogs. One's very old, Ruby. She's 17. And that is old. She's still, she's still sprightly, but she's incontinent. And we've got carpet upstairs, but she would come upstairs if we didn't build a barrier on the staircase. We tried to get a gate, but it didn't fit. So we've got a makeshift barrier made out of toilet rolls and a box from a waffle maker or something. Right. It was always a recipe for disaster, and disaster struck on Tuesday night when Nat tripped on the toilet rolls and came down on her foot and... Unfortunately, she'd broken that foot before, so it was a re-break. Um, so the trip's off. Ah, wow. so so um, I mean, uh, I don't want to, uh, you know, pry into your private life, but uh, how how bad a break was the was the break of the foot? But it's a clean break, just above the toe on the Ooh, bottom of the ow, foot, ow, ow. the small toe. Oh, okay. Um, but she's got to be off it for six to eight weeks. That's- oh, shoot. That's how it is, and how's it, how's it going to affect their footy? Yeah, well, that's that's she should be she'll be right for round one, but she'll <laughs> stuff up oh. stuff up preseason. It's funny because when you when you hear broken foot, 
it doesn't sound that dramatic to me. It's a really bad thing to break yeah. because, you know, there's steps everywhere. We can't go out to restaurants anymore. It, yeah. it really stuffed, you yeah. know. Matt staying downstairs during the day doesn't – getting upstairs is a real difficulty. Um, so, yeah, a, a foot is actually really bad to break. Yeah. Um, you sort of hear broken arm and you think that's bad, but actually if it's a sort of break on your forearm, you put a cast on it and within a couple of weeks you've still got some hand mobility, whatever. Yep. I mean, a broken leg's terrible. I think that would be just as bad, but – we um we we walk around and it's so Nat's got one of those I should laugh actually two of those one for upstairs one for downstairs and going out one of those sort of trolleys that you put your knee on oh yeah 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 I'm not far away from one of them I reckon <laughs> yeah you get around you get around on that and yep. crutches and it's oh god poor thing well uh, give her give her our best mate because we uh, we don't like yeah. to hear that. Yeah, and, and it's and it's interesting because I'm talking to the orthopedic surgeon about stress fractures because that happens a lot in football as whatever. Yep. But actually, a stress fracture you can get into a moon boot pretty quickly, and in three weeks you can start walking on a moon boot, but not a complete. You know, it's broken right. Well, through. she snapped it, hasn't she? So that yeah. has to that has to heal. Yeah, no, not like yeah. Yeah, stress fracture is different. Oh God, yeah. ouch, 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 ouch. Just, just to clear up a bit of a- ambiguity with this uh, story, Bonnie, let's just clearly establish that it was the dog that was incontinent, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, the correct. Because Even though- she did say that Natalie slipped over the toilet rolls and so I just thought it was maybe yeah, getting it a is bit conf- confusing. It is confusing. It is confusing and I, I am – I am now getting up once a night for a piss. So, <laughs> sorry. What was the dog? What's the dog's name? The old dog's name? Ruby. Ruby. Yeah. So yeah. don't confuse Ruby and Nat. Two diff- totally or, different. Or, or me, or Willow, yeah. or, yes. the other dog, <laughs> or Harper, my daughter, yeah. or Lucas, my son. The yeah. dog did it. The dog did yeah. it. Okay. So Willow and oh. Ruby are the dogs. Any other names yeah. mentioned belong to human beings. Correct. Right. So, All right. So but. You know, and Matt can't work now, so I'm no, taking up a slack at work. But we'll look at it like this. When it's all said and done, you can take holidays at another time and much worse things can happen. Yeah. So we're coming we're – but it was real, you know, because what was hard was we work – we do work very hard. Delhi's a very hard job and you work – we really work all year. And by the end of the year, you know, with three weeks to go, I'm counting the hours till we were getting on the plane. Yeah. And to get that sort of snatched away from you with one step, one small step for woman, one big f*** up for the fine family. (laughs) 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 He feels better now, everybody. He's 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 feeling much better now. So we're okay. We're okay. All right. So, well, that's that's what's happening in your life now. Let's go to uh, let's head to the Gold Coast and uh, to our reporter on the Gold Coast now. Well, Talk about the Mushroom fiftieth uh, concert that was on last night that he wasn't at, and uh, any other little observations he may have had uh, on on this subject. I, I I did want to bring it up, Brian, on in in this one. I know we talked about it in the Life of Brian, which yeah. comes out later in the week, but I did want to talk about it because now it's been on. Yeah, I didn't watch all of it. I watched. Bits and pieces of it, um, yeah, you know. Oh, I don't know. I don't want you. To, I don't. I, mean, I know you're not. I want people to understand. You're not bitter, but you are pissed off. Well, I think if you're putting on a show called Mushroom Fifty Years, 
um, there's a pretty obvious song that should be played. You know, it didn't have to be played by me. It could have got, you know, anybody to sing it. But I just felt that perhaps that song, which was, you know, probably their biggest selling single of 1985, maybe it was worth a little note. I don't know, did they even give any notice to the X-Men at all? Probably not. No. Well, no, I, I did I did see a post this afternoon from Mick Peeling from Stars who said, and, and I quote, um, uh, I'm actually happy we weren't asked. So they obviously weren't asked either. Well, as I said, I was told that a couple of acts got asked to play for nothing, and I'm thinking, wow, you got a TV show, you got 150 bucks a head, 15,000 people, you got 20 sponsors, and you expect somebody to get up and not play? Wow, not get paid? Ooh. Um, but, you know, I've got a very good source, and that's my information. Don't sue me over it in case it's wrong, but um, my information's pretty good with these matters. So, anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, it was disappointing. Um, I thought, oh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it sort of lacked energy. I maybe just watching. I thought uh, Kate Sobrano was great. Um, but, um, yeah, it just seemed like a bit of a chore to watch. I started watching it and then I thought, oh, look, for God's sake, you know, and they're trying to drag everybody in like the mushroom. So did they do 50 songs? Was that, was that the premise? It was 50 songs to celebrate 50 years? Oh, I doubt it. Well, it went um, for four and a half hours. Yeah, there's a lot of crap on in there. Yeah, I know. I'm sure there was. But, I mean, if you didn't have, uh, to, to be honest, and I've I've been in the music industry for 50, in, in, in the radio industry for 50 years, so I've played everything that a mushroom put out just about. If you didn't have yeah. Matt Taylor, I remember when I was young, if you didn't have 12-pound toothbrush and you didn't have, and they did have a representative of Skyhooks, Red apparently got up when Ross Wilson sang um, I think it might have done Ego, um, and Ross obviously produced those first three Skyhooks albums, so that, that that was fitting. But if you didn't have those in there and then, sorry, if the Andy Durant Memorial Concert wasn't one of the biggest events that was around and stars were on that, and then you blokes and then, uh, you know, Kylie wasn't on it. Um, she kind of, yeah. you know, put another wing on the Gadinsky household there in in the uh, in the early in the late part of the eighties, early part of the nineties when I was at uh, working at um, yeah. at Fox, and she was in na- on the neighbours thing next door, having locomotion and all that stuff. That and, was massive for uh, Mushroom. Uh, and I'm startled by now what Asha Keddie's doing and what she got to do with Mushroom music and. You know, and Robbie Williams and Ed Sheeran, they're not signed to Mushroom. Well, they were, ma- I mean, I understand. Touring bought them out. I understand that the, it, it was the Mushroom family, and I guess Asher Kitty might have been oh, involved okay. in it. So Frontier, so Frontier gets included with that. Well, okay. Then. I guess that was what, no, that, that, that's my, that was my kind of take on that. I didn't see anything anywhere where they said that. Um, and most, did Mushroom movies do Chopper? Yeah. Yeah. So there was there was a, there's a little bit of that in there. So if you know if Eric Banner had got up and emceed a bit of it, I would have would have would have made sense to me. I'll watch it at some stage, but I yeah, I'm not I wasn't busting my neck to I watch think, it last night. I thought they probably they probably were pushing too many new acts and not paying tribute to the acts that got them there. Yeah. Especially as you say, Matter Lake and Chain, they deserve you know, they got the label started. Sure Skyhook, you know, they were really important and really gave them some money, but Without Madeleine and Chain, you probably got nothing. Oh, absolutely! They were the first. They were the first two big ones. Hey, um, uh, uh, someone, I think it's uh, is that the Tender Trap did a version of Under the Milky Way, the church song. Yeah. Now, my uh, Kilby and the Church were never on Mushroom, were they? I think that was. I think that song was. Oh, okay. 
that day, they weren't most of their career. They'd never been with mushroom. No. Well, okay. Yeah. No. So there was a few strange ones there. I know Shane Howard wasn't on mushroom, but his publishing was apparently. So that was where. But why wouldn't you get Steve Kilby to come and sing under the Milky Way? I'm sure Steve would have done it if they paid him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> bloody oath. Yeah, no, that's perfectly fair. All right, so well, I don't. I, 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 don't know. Anyway. I wanted, no, but and the other thing I wanted to point out because we hadn't said it, we haven't said it on this podcast. You were invited to attend, not to perform. Yeah, they sent me a ticket. Yeah, yeah how good of it! Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, just Great. just wanted uh, to. Rats. Yeah, yeah, oh, well. I will. I can go and get him for free. Yeah, to, yeah, good. Okay, thank you for that. There Very you go. Very let's thoughtful. let's talk. Uh, hang some, on. Yeah, hang oh, on. hang on. Funnies, funnies. You can. can. I opine? One more thing. I want to opine. Yeah, what what do you want to opine about? Um, Brian's been very diplomatic. Yeah, he is actually. Absolutely a disgrace that the X-Men didn't perform. A disgrace. They're a huge band for Mushroom and they should be ashamed of themselves. End of story. Yeah, fair enough. Thank you, Bob. Period, as they say on the Red Gutfield show. Yep. There you Absolutely. go. Just, just a bit no. of trivia for you, though. I, it's a little bit of a news alert, but um, I think it's Tybee Island Beach, and there's this woman, I think it's on TikTok or something. Anyway, the police, is, she's down at the beach, sitting by the beach, sitting in the water and waves are collecting and that. Anyway, she got done for masturbating. Um, on the beach. Did she? Uh, yeah, well, she got in the and said, oh, no, no, no. And then they go, can we see your bag? And she's got this giant dildo in her bag. Like she's come down to the beach really well prepared for the whole event. So really? anyway, I thought that was a little bit of gossipy news that would uh, put a smile on someone's face. Well, why wasn't was she that- on the Mushroom 50th concert? Well, I think she was. Oh, right. That's where I saw it. Right. Well, I'm just wondering. I, I vaguely like, remembered Mick Warhouse introducing it. Right, <laughs> of course. Now, the Miff Files, as they like it's to call been them. A, um, it's been a bad year for mushrooms. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, up in up in. Up in the beautiful part of the world that I'm moving to soon. There you go. Yeah, there was probably a couple of acts that died last night. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. now, Brian, that's that's. Oh, under, no, now, I didn't watch the whole thing. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody can't be great. Brian, that's, there's no need for that. I'm sure they're all very, very good. I, I did see that um, Deborah Conway made a bit of a political statement, which without saying anything. Oh, actually, the friggin' bloke at the friggin' with the red guitar with Barney. Barney looks like he's going to spew up on the audience. <laughs> but. But the guy with the reject racism T-shirt, I thought, oh, you virtue signalling wanker. <laughs> what a knock. Reject what? racism. You know, it makes me want to get a T-shirt saying, I embrace racism, yeah. you know, just to <laughs> piss him off. But, you know, that's just like, that's just oh. virtue signalling, oh, aren't I freaking cool? I'm not racist because we've got a T-shirt that says I'm not. Yep. Get off, you wanker. Yep. All right. Played all right, though. Yep. Okay. Uh, now, uh, let's talk some sport. Um, hang on. Oh, hang are on. We talk- are we talking radio? Radio? Yep. What? What? Oh, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Kyle and Jackie O coming to Melbourne? Getting 200 million for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, chicken feet. 
<laughs> well, I hope Kyle. I hope Kyle gets on with the chicken feed. It's as big as a house. Um, it's a that's it's a remarkable contract. It's a remarkable deal. It's it's mind boggling. Meanwhile, well, if Kyle gave that twenty two hundred million to uh, Craig Hutchison, he could bail the SEN network out of out of the shit. It sounds like it sounds like a deal Craig would have signed. But anyway, and what does the prime minister get a year? Uh, four fifty. Yeah, I was going to say it's it's somewhere around somewhere. Be, I think it's around half to three quarters of a mil. And a driver. So Kyle Sanderland and Jackie O are more valuable to the Australian public than the prime minister. Wow. Oh, well, you can't see so you can't compare it like that. Twenty times well, more. Yeah, yeah. If the PM was getting well, a mill, they're, they're twenty times more a year value for the next ten years. Right, it's an it's he, a he it's an unbelievable the Australian cricket captain. Yeah, well, it, it's uh, in terms of the revenue, they are the revenue. Um, they're the money making machine. They're the printing press for that entire network. Uh, whoever owns it, it doesn't matter who owns it, but they're it because they went from one network to yeah, to, to, to and they did. And that's I'll tell you what, that's only been done about three or about. Once before in all of Australian radio history, where someone has jumped ship from one station to another and taken the audience with them, and that was John Laws yeah, um, in Sydney. Um, yep. I didn't do it when I jumped from from Fox to Triple M, but I did. I was number one on Fox, and then I was number one on Triple M a year later. But yet, uh, yeah. radio blokes don't take uh, very rare. I mean, Neil Mitchell say I know he's finishing up at the end of this week, but if he went from uh, AW to as, as they showed with that MRN, if he went from AW to say Fox or Triple M or someone like that, he wouldn't take the audience with him. And it's no, just, well, Steve, Steve Price proved yeah, that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. He's, that's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so the extraordinary amount of money. I'm, I don't know. I don't know whether it'll work or not. I got no idea to be honest. I've not heard a lot yeah. of Kyle and Jackie O except the bits you hear, which are nine times out of ten the bits that everyone goes, "Oh, you've got to be kidding!" They're talking about shit in their pants, or they're talking about some sex act or he's being a sleazebag to some girl or whatever, they're the bits you hear, I'm yeah. sure. Mate, he, he's got lipstick on his old fella because he's kissed on <laughs> Well, I don't have any doubt about that whatsoever. No doubt about that whatsoever. And the, uh, I think I think what history will show is that the people who sign those kind of deals um, will not be seen in the best light um, uh, from financial scrutineers of the future because that... <laughs> Somebody, somebody down the track's going to hate us. Yeah, oh no, uh, there's probably bean counters who already hate them. Um, there's probably shareholders who already hate them. Um, yep. Yeah, it'll be. Well, just uh, one thing. I, I did hang out with Brian McFadden a bit when I was doing Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. And, and Brian McFadden was living with Kyle Sandlin, and he said he's the most wonderful bloke. He just couldn't say enough nice things about him. Um, said, so, uh, you know, maybe this is just a bit of a persona on the radio and he's actually a nice guy because he's, I did hear that he's a really genuine, lovely bloke. Yeah, I've heard that from people as well. Um, his public persona, though, is... I want to borrow some of that 200 million. Yeah, yeah, stop sucking up to him, yeah. for Christ's sake, Brian. Geez, yeah. you're, you're as transparent as anything. Now, stop disappearing down yeah. a bloody well on me with your sound every five minutes. I would add that Jackie O's a complete bitch. <laughs> uh, 
Confidential is going to love that uh, when they get that this week. Um, well, this is why she's on the big bucks, Kev. Yeah, well, see, the, the the thing about that is, that, uh, and I, it was kind of alluded to in the papers on the weekend, Steve Price came out and said, oh, he's a grub and he's this and he's this. They're apparently mates and they hang out together and they uh, barbecues and stuff together. So all that stuff's all bullshit. It's like, anyway, that's showbiz. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. sport. Uh, Australia's playing a five-game uh, T20 series against India at the moment. Who gives yeah. us stuff? Lost certainly, not, certainly not Sean Abbott. Did you see his figures? No. no. Three overs, none for 56. Oh, okay. He's, he's hitting the mark. He's, he's, yeah, he's going great. He's hitting the spot. Yeah. <laughs> that one right up there with the, with the sixes. Short of 20 and over. Wow. That's pretty good. Well, I heard it described beautifully by Robert Craddock today. Yeah. He described this one-day series as... The bloke coming on after an Elvis concert and an Elvis impersonator. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, it's perfect. No, it is. It's we just had the World Cup. No one gives a no. fat rats about it. Uh, now Australia lost the Davis Cup in the tennis uh, to Italy. Probably didn't no, even know it was on. No idea. There you go. Um, I watched, I reckon, uh, 45 minutes or nearly 55 minutes of uh, one of the best EPL games I've seen last night. God, it was good. Spurs and Villa. Yeah, Spurs and Villa. It that was, was all action, wasn't it? Oh, God. I was I was exhausted at half. I went to bed. I couldn't sit up for yeah. the second half. Um, well, it, was, it, did it, shown, it did get shown up by something. Oh, God, was it good. It got shown up an hour later. Uh, Man United, for that. was it Man United played after him? Yeah, Man United versus Everton. Everton. Yeah, and that goal. The, that's the best. That's the best goal I've ever seen. Oh, it's, a, it's a beauty. They showed the Rooney goal, which is almost identical to the one the bloke, the Man United. Yeah. Bloke, yeah, it's very good. Um, very Ganacho. good. Ganacho or Ganacho. Oh, okay. That I didn't one, see his name. Oh my God, that is. If you haven't seen it, people, make a beeline to your YouTube and look it up. It is. Sublime. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous. Um, it, it's, it is. It's uh, it's athletically as supreme as you could possibly be as a soccer player. I would have thought. Yeah, um, but it for was, those who didn't it's, see it, it's a it's a bicycle kick from yeah. the edge of the penalty area. But he had a look. Ridiculous. He had a look as yeah. the ball was coming yeah. down. He had a look and he thought, knew yeah, what he was doing. Exactly right, and that's why that's why it's even more special because I'm putting yeah. this in the top right hand corner, and bloody hell, yeah. he did. That was brilliant. It was just superb. Very good. Um, All right, and now let's get to the AFLW wash-up from the weekend, the preliminary finals. Oh, has it set up a tantalising grand final, both on the ground and in the tipsters' room, I can tell you, because we had uh, Brisbane and Geelong play in the first of the preliminary finals on the weekend, which was won by Brisbane as tipped by M. Fine. B Mannix, Ooh. not tipped by Cahillia. Four points difference. I thought they were going to yep. get up too. And then uh, the following day, Adelaide uh, took on North Melbourne. Yeah. North Melbourne with the victors there, as tipped by M Fine and Cahillia. Not one point. B Mannix, one point. So Brian, that takes yeah. you to a total of fifty-seven with your one point. Ooh. My one point takes me to a total of fifty-eight. Finey's two points takes him to a total of 58. So we're back in 
sort of some sort of order now. Well, <laughs> we have one game to go. Yeah. And uh, realistically, if uh, it's possible there could be a three-way tie. Yeah. All right. So I, I think we've got to write down our tips now and then show them. No. <laughs> Brian's going to go Kevin last. Kevin will cheat. I'll, I'll go last. Yeah, I want to go last. Yeah, Brian's going last. You can go last. I'll, right. I'll tell you now, I'm tipping North Melbourne. North Melbourne to beat Brisbane. Uh, it's at Icon Park on Sunday afternoon. Um, I've been very um, up and about about the North Melbourne team all year. I think Brisbane are very good, but I think North Melbourne are going to win this uh, grand final. So that's that's my tip. I'm very happy to go with North Melbourne. Finey? I'm going to go. All right. I'm going to have to go for Brisbane. You don't have to. I, I, I don't have to, but I will. Okay. I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's like picking but, between you know first and sixteen. Brisbane, are a bloody good team. Yeah, that means Brian can't win. <laughs> yeah, I know. I see what you're doing. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. That's a very good point, Finey. <laughs> Finey's, <laughs> Finey's actually now dropped the vape. He's smoking a cigar already. You go. Oh, you back up the cigar. Ah, no problem. Got you, Maddox. Got you there, Maddox. Oh no, no. I'm going for Brisbane because I'm going for the win. If Brisbane wins, yep. I win. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, hang on. North Melbourne. Oh, yeah, you win. Yeah. Oh, so right. you're only left with one difficult option. You've got to go for the draw. <laughs> well, I could go for North and that would put me and Kevin equal with you, wouldn't it? No, equal no. second. No, because if, if Brisbane wins, Finey wins the comp. Yeah. If North Melbourne win, I win the comp. There's no way you can there's win. no way you can win. You can't win. At best you can finish equal second if you pick the winner. Well, well, let's be honest. The, if, if I if go you to finish, the draw, will you give me two points? No. Uh, I got to. No. Well, we'll play extra time, so there's no draw. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but um, but but I will say this, Brian. If you finish second, that is like a win for you. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm going to go for Brisbane. Brisbane. Okay. So Brian. Yep. Three weeks ago, you're on top of the ladder of this. Now you are staring at. Last, it's we've been dressing it up last. and saying so, we've so been dressing it up. So, so are you, Kevin? No, I'm not. I can't finish last. I can finish equal second. You can finish equal last. No, well, that's not. No, that's equal second. Fighting. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm into semantics, but I'm telling you, it's equal second. It it's may work. Great comp. It may it's well be last, brilliant. but but we know that. Morally, you're the winner because you kept keeping Footscray and they won one game. Yeah, well, I don't know how many of those games I would have changed, but uh, there, there would have Some been. Some of them. It would have been probably four or five I wouldn't have gone for the doggies. I'd... Anyhow, anyhow, stupidity and loyalty and first cousins. Exactly, exactly. Now let's get to the death of Isa because uh, there's a cup, only two this week, but two, uh, two sad I losses. Want to mention, I want to mention the golf. The golf? Australian PGA. Oh, okay. Well, let's but get to that before you get the deathalyzer. No. Oh, okay. No. Well, well, I didn't, well, there might have been an accident or something <laughs> that I didn't know about. The guy who won it's an absolute ripper. He's our future number one golfer. Oh, yeah. Minwoon Lee. Yep. But I want a, a special comment for my niece's partner who finished equal seventh. Who's that? Todd Sinnott. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, oh, okay. I didn't know, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they've been going out for about a year. And okay, he's good. He's a good player. I've, I've actually I've interviewed him. I reckon. Yeah, he's very. He's in the top ten for 
driving distance in the world. Oh, well, oh good on him. Uh, but you're right, Minwoo Lee's going to be a superstar. His, his sister's pretty pretty handy too. Um, well, they reckon for the Australian Open, they're both going to start favourites. Yeah. because so that's that. Uh, that family's pretty talented. Yes, uh, and uh, there was a lovely bit of footage that's rolling around where he's got the chef's hat on and he's uh, he's got the crowd going with him. It's it's fantastic at the yeah, end. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah, won easy. He won by three shots, didn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he started the day three or four in front, but after three holes, it was all level pegging. So he and he did this beautiful chip in on the ninth for an eagle. God, he's a very talented player. Yeah. Super cool, super confident, good kid. Yeah, will be uh, will be a star on the world scene. Um, yep. uh, very much an emerging star on the world scene. All right, now let's Brian. Let's open her up and uh, and uh, say farewell to two uh, two great sporting people. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's episode of the Dentalizer. Ted Hopkins passed away at the age of seventy four. Carlton Premiership hero from nineteen seventy five. I would imagine you would have crossed paths with him at some stage. Many times. Yeah, thought including, you Including regularly at the Paran market. Oh, okay. Um, how can I describe Ted? Basically, Mutton Jeff, so when I when I knew him, he was close to deaf. So he oh, lost his hearing along the way. Right. One of the most interesting offbeat people you'll ever meet in your life. And football was just a fraction of it. Australian champion water skier. He was a park ranger at Mount Buller for many years. All right. But his legacy will live on forever because he is the man behind the stats that we now rely on for football. Yep. Champion data. And he changed the way football was analysed by journalists, football clubs, Fans, we all use all these expressions inside fifties, etc. He just was a highly intelligent, big, very much a mathematician, very mathematical mind, um, and a most interesting person to chat to. Super friendly. Sadly, will be sadly missed. I mean, a real character. He he was a very moderate footballer who had a very good half of football. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Final. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I could have kicked three of, four, of those four goals. He, he was, you know, got a few handballs over the top, but these four goals will be remembered for yep. being central to the greatest comeback in grand final history and, uh, you know, a, a more interesting man you wouldn't meet. Always great. I loved catching up with him and we used to often bump into each other Paran Market and spend countless I wouldn't say hours, but half an hour every time nattering about some element of football. He was a, a ripper. I had him on the show, of course, with Jeff Poulter and, yeah. you know, a really interesting bloke who, who, who lived many, had many dis- interesting aspects to his life. He was certainly more than a footballer. Yeah. No, good on him. Uh, and uh, 74, he passed away uh, on the weekend. And the other one is uh, Terry Venables, who passed away at the age of 80. Um uh, now I love what they did at the at the soccer in uh, in England uh, before the Tottenham um, game against Aston Villa because he, he was obviously at Spurs as a player uh, and as a, a manager and I think general manager at one stage he obviously played Chelsea as well managed England managed Australia managed the Socceroos at one stage but before the game um, they did a minute's applause rather than a minute's silence 
they had a minute's applause, and I thought that was a really nice way to do it and a much um, much more in the spirit of, of uh, the human being, uh, being a sportsman. Uh, I thought that worked really well. But he, uh, he had a... He had a, he nearly nearly got us to a World Cup. He was in charge of that famous um, uh, couple of games against Iran when uh, we actually didn't get to the final sixteen of the World Cup, and we we didn't lose a game, but we didn't get there. Um, so uh, he had a he had a terrific career here and right through his uh, through his English years. So uh, sad loss, Terry Venables always struck me when I saw him interviewed as someone who was a bit cheeky and a bit out there and uh, from what all the players that played under him have said, the hell of a manager. I remember him, I used to have a real soft spot for um, QPR and he played for QPR. Yeah, he did too. A very successful QPR team with Jerry Francis and Stuart Webb and Mancini and... Stan Bowles oh, still there? Was he the... Stan, yeah, yeah, Stan Bowles. Yeah. They were actually second in the league one year and he was... Uh, I'll never forget he took a free kick about, you know, the, the wall was on the edge of the penalty area and rather than have a shot for goal, he did a tiny dink over the top of the wall and Stan Bowles turned around and volleyed it into the back of the net. It was one of the most beautiful goals you'll ever see. Beautiful, yep. Uh, yeah, no, a sad loss to Revenable. So they're the, they're the two this week, Brian. Close her up. That concludes tonight's episode of... The Deathalyzer. Now, there could be some people who are in the Deathalyzer who could come up in our topic this week because it is the three males that you would most like to interview. So, interesting, interesting list. I've certainly, uh, I've got no politicians uh, in my list. I, uh, I don't, and I'm not sure if either of you two have, but uh, you know. Just couldn't be bothered. Uh, uh, would be it would be too much like hard work. The ones that are interesting to talk to um, would be just there's too much bullshit involved for me. I just wouldn't put myself through it. So I don't have any of them. I have some. I think some interesting people um, to talk to. But Finey, please, I'd like you to start us off. How'd you go with this? All right, number one, I've got. Or number three, I've got Bruce Jenner. Um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody who listened to last week's yeah. show, um, fine. He's cost cutting. Um, he's cost cutting. He's doing this. He's going to turn this into a TV show. And he's, it's a two-part. Yeah, interview it is. With, uh, Bruce <laughs> and Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, I think the first question is, "What were you thinking?" But anyway, um, <laughs> no, yeah, no, to sure, both I'm of sure, them, um, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he, she's very happy. Yeah. Um, I did contemplate Jack the Ripper and just ask him one question. Yeah, what, which would have been. Who are you? Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> What's your real name? Yep. End of, end of interview. But I'm going with sports people because I had so many that I wanted to interview and that is my, you know, that is if I've got a skill in interviewing, it would be sports people because yeah, okay. I've done a bit of it. I was going to say, I wouldn't and think there'd be many you didn't get over the years. I mean, I know there's, there's obviously these three, but uh, you would have got you would have got some biggies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've got. My two cricket heroes, Dennis Lilly and Viv Richards. Yeah, and, same here. And, you know, any footballer that I'd wanted to interview, I got to interview, I think, yep. including Plugger. I've had a 30-minute interview with Plugger after he was inducted into the Australian Oh, that's sporting. right. Yeah, you used to do no, that. I, I think he was elevated to a legend in the Football Hall of Fame. And that was a great – I did that with Rowan and it was so much fun. He was 
he was just completely open about everything and, and it was a very different plugger than when he was a player. He was, you know, fondly remembering his his football career, which was great fun. So I bought a grey I bought a greyhound off plugger. How the f I don't know it was a Labrador. <laughs> don't get me started because I did buy a gre- I did buy a greyhound that was bred by a plugger and it was not the right greyhound and it got taken away <laughs> by the cops. Oh, but okay. That's, that's another. That's another story yeah, for another day. Yes. All right. Two, so two two greyhounds, in fact. Anyhow, right. Um, I start with at number three, Tiger Woods. I mean, uh. I mean, obviously, talking about his career would be fascinating. Talking about how it went off the rails, his fondness for hooters, waiters, waitresses, and the like. Yeah. I mean, if he was open to it, it would be there is so there's so much you could delve into from his relationship with his father, his drive to become a great golfer, to some of his magnificent victories. I mean he mesmerized the sporting world for so long. To his downfall, then to his comeback where he won another major, which was so emotional, to where he is now in life. I think there's a, a lot to ask him and he probably wouldn't answer most of them, but yeah. There yeah, you go. And, and of course, I would have to ask him about his utter hatred of Mark Allen because of what Mark Allen said on radio, which was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. What did Mark Allen say? But I didn't know he hated Mark Allen. Oh yeah, yeah. It, 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 what Mark said got back to him through who was his caddy Turner? No, Steve Williams. Uh, Williams, I mean. Yeah. Um, it got back to him, and he said. You know, if I ever ever run into that bloke again, he better watch out. Are you able to say what Mark said? Absolutely. Mark played with him at an Australian Open or something. I think it was in Australia. Maybe maybe been on the US tour. No, we paid him about two million bucks to come out and play. Yeah, so I'm not sure, but I'm not sure when this happened. But Mark said he had occasion to stand at the urinal next to Tiger Woods. And let's just say Tiger's half African-American and half Asian, and the bit I saw was definitely Asian. Oh, oh wow. No wonder Tiger got a bit um, very, as, as very, your father. So I'd ask him, mate. It's a good one, though, because, you know, I don't think anybody put it in the hole more often than Tiger would. So right. well done, Tiger. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. They're totally, uh, absolutely fascinating. Uh, I don't have any sports people on my list. Um, but yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think if if you could get him to talk, it would yep. be yeah. it would be a great interview. Great interview. You get him a bit pissed first, and then you have some you know some chicks with a boob job sort of hanging around, so he'd be into it. Yep. Mm. Right, I missed it. But you got to prepare for it. We we now know what the uh, talent budget on Brian's uh, talk show will be spent on. Um. <laughs> well, for my interview, right, I'm going to need a. Bottle of Jack Daniels. I'm going to need some pretty wicked weed already rolled, and I'm going to need about five packs of cigarettes. So, Mother Teresa. Uh, Mother <laughs> Teresa is uh, certainly high on the list. Um, but now I'm going to go for Keith Richards. Yeah, um, I thought you would. Look, he, he's um, pretty. He's pretty fluent. You know, he sounds really disconnected and stuff. But when you actually listen to what he says, he's pretty fluent and. Um, I just think he's funny and I think he'd be interesting and, you know, there's so many things I'd, I'd love to ask him. And, you know, I, 
Mick, you'd end up talking about cricket. But um, oh, you could probably talk about cricket with Keith too. But I think Keith is possibly the most interesting of the Stones to talk to. So Keith Richards. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, I have uh, because of all these, you know, these shows that we do and and stuff. I got interview requests in right now all over the world to probably forty different people that I continue to chase up and try and get for either the life of Brian or Food Bites or whatever it is, whichever one of the shows that we're doing. Um, mm. uh, I've, I've been hounding, hounding is the only word I can say, the woman who uh, looks after Ringo Starr. I, I want to talk to a beetle oh. before I die oh, if I can. Um, I've, I've Ringo or Paul, I'm, I'm not, I'll be honest and tell you, um, I'm not fussy, <laughs> but but I would love to speak to one of them. I I missed out on talking to Paul McCartney. I could have done that in about 1970. I think he came out in 75. Yeah. The vaping's going well, funny. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> Brian, Brian, just put, just put the vaporizer on uh, on standby, will you? We, we, may, be, we may need it. Um, I, I, it I, I thought I was going to be talking to McCartney in 75, but uh, my boss at the radio station decided that he should do the Paul McCartney interview and not me. Which is he was probably yeah. right. Uh, I probably was too young and stupid and, and not uh, a skilled enough interviewer back then. I was, you know, nineteen. Um, so uh, he probably did make the right decision. But oh god, I was filthy. I was so filthy that I didn't get a chance to do it. Um, so yes, uh, I have to. Ha- uh, if I can do it between now and when I pull up stumps, I want to. Uh, I want to talk to a beetle. And there's only two All of them right. left. Well, I hope it get you get it for life of Brian because I'd like to speak to a Yeah, well, too. Ringo's the one I've been trying to get. We we've got we've gone very, very close, as we have with a number of other rather big name people, um, mm-hmm. only to be gazumped in the in the final things a couple of times. COVID COVID certainly maybe, didn't bloody help. Maybe maybe we should get Colin A to give him a bit of a nudge in our direction. Well, you know, we've done all those sort of uh, surreptitious mentions to different people who might be married mm. uh, to the sister of uh, of uh, the woman that Ringo's married to and, you know, people that play in his band and all, all the, and managers of other people and also I've been, I tell you, you've got no idea how many. The dry cleaner, the, yep. you know, yep. gets the spew out of the. Yeah. We we got we got a monkey. I got a monkey before uh, uh, all of them passed away. Oh. So we, Mickey Dolans, we spoke to. So that was one I, I really wanted to get. But now I got to get a beetle. So I wow. uh, we I, saved Mickey's life. He's the only one that's still alive. Yeah, we did. We did. Mm. All right. Finally, number two. Who uh, who's the next sports person? David Attenborough's interviewed a few beetles, hasn't he? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Here is the Paul no. McCartney beetle. <laughs> okay, number two, if I had trouble getting Tiger Woods to speak, I don't think I'd have that much trouble to get this bloke to speak. What an honour it would be to interview a coherent Muhammad Ali. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean obviously a brilliant orator and a, a, a wonderful provocateur and very funny, very quick-witted with a... Extraordinary career, you know the Rumble in the Jungle, the Thriller in Manila, pulverising fights. Yeah, you know, his relationship with Foreman and Frazier would be explored, and of course his stance on the Vietnam War and yeah, many other things. So, what with Malcolm, Malcolm X and all those people that he was involved with as well? There was God. There was a lot of stuff going on in his life. Oh yeah. 
enormous, absolutely yeah. enormous. So number two, the greatest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, some of those some of those interviews you see, uh, there's one with Par that he did with Parkinson, which is just the great the greatest theatre you'll ever see, and it's by you know a bloke who's a an interviewer. Uh, a, a journo interviewer and uh, and a boxer, and it's as good an entertainment package as you'll ever see in your life. Yeah. I mean, I was fortunate through a family connection to actually get to meet and have a bit of a, a friendship with a guy called Mike Marley who's passed away, and he was a writer for the Boston Globe, but he was also very good friends with Muhammad Ali, and he told me some amazing stories about Muhammad Ali and, you know, he's – a deep thinker, Muhammad Ali, it would have been brilliant. Howard Cosell did some great interviews. Yeah, he did too. Yeah, he did. So, yeah, it, it would be entertaining and, God, imagine interviewing him. Anyhow. Yeah, yeah no, that's a very good, very good choice. Right, Brian? Are you, are you noticing the theme with uh, Viney's choices? You know, the first bloke likes putting it in the hole. The second one likes punching people in the ring. I can't wait to see what he's got as number one. Right. <laughs> I, told you, I told you John Holmes was right up <laughs> And John Holmes does uh, does both, um, both holes. My, um, what have you got, Brian? My apologies to Robert Rodriguez, who's one of my favourite film directors, but I think the conversation-wise, I think Quentin Tarantino is going to be far more interesting. You might not get a word in. Um, he reminds me of Wilbur Wilde away too. Um, but... He knows so much about every freaking film. He knows all of the shitty movies that Australia made in the 70s that went straight to the drivers. Um, you know, he knows movies like Patrick and uh, The Cars That Ate Paris and all these shitty Australian films. But, you know, and he knows all the Japanese films and the Korean films. And I just think he'd be really, really interesting. He'd probably be exhausted afterwards, but... Um, I think, yeah, Quentin Tarantino, easily my number two. Is he as eccentric um, as he appears to be uh, when you look at him? Because you think, my God, what's going on there? I think his brain just works so fast and that, you know, his mouth sometimes struggles to keep up with his brain. Um, You know, he's a bit like Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man. He's always acting like, okay, we need to get this done. Okay, cover that there. It's like, they think out loud really fast. Yeah. And so, anyway, you might not get a word in, but um, do you like his? Do you like his? Um, do you like his work? Oh shit! Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Fantastic. He's yeah. Brilliant. Um, I love his writing. You know, he writes real dialogue, not just you know comic book dialogue like most blockbuster movies do. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think he's fantastic. So Quentin Tarantino, number two. All right, my number two, Ricky Gervais, because I just think he is uh, piss funny and irreverent and everything I've seen. I've, I've watched his stand-ups. I've never watched The Office, um, but I will. Um, oh, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah, Afterlife is, God, Afterlife is just one of the most beautifully written uh, pieces of work you'll ever, you'll ever watch. Um, and some of the gags in it are just, uh, I mean, I still think, I think we, Sarah and I in the car driving to Geelong on Saturday um, and talking about a couple of things and we're bursting out laughing with some of the stuff just even now, just think, just thinking about it. Um, uh, so I will, I will watch The Office. There's a couple he's done that I, I wasn't overly keen on, on looking at, but I will eventually. But 
his stand-up, um, the way he treats people uh, on social media, the things he says. Uh, I just, I just think he, I think he would be one hell of a good interview. I've, I've not seen a lot of interviews that he's done, um, and when I have, uh, uh, I've only seen probably three or four. Um, they haven't been terrifically good, not not because of him. Um, they just were. That you know the the showbiz interview that you do because you got to talk about and plug the show and stuff. Uh, very few kind of like let's just find out about him. Um, but I think he's brilliant. I think he's so funny. Yeah, he's, that'd be a great interview. His Armageddon uh, thing is his live show is just. Oh, sorry. He says so many things that all of us just think, um, and he just doesn't give us stuff, and it's great. Oh, I love it. So uh, yeah, he'd be he's he's my um, he's my number two. Finding numero just, just, on, just on Gervais, I love his podcasts with Steve Merchant and Carl Pilkington. They, they're just hilarious. Oh, okay. I haven't heard them either. I must. Oh, check you've got to get into them. They're brilliant. You know, they they just examine the crazy brain of Carl Pilkington and, and just they're laughing all the time. Yeah, it's, it's just he, hilarious. he seems like someone who enjoys other people's company to make him to, to uh, not not for any other reason. He just does. Whereas yeah. a lot of, uh, in particular, American comedians tend to have when you've seen him in those kind of situations, it's always about getting to their joke. Where it's I yeah, don't yeah. I don't get that with him. Yep. Yeah. No. Good point. Yeah. Right. Who is number one? All right, so I had two non-sporting people that I would have loved to have interviewed, so just quickly going to mention them. One is Peter Sellers, who, oh, I've seen yeah. in, who I saw interviewed. He is so funny. I saw him do accents where he actually points out that there's four or five different Cockney accents and he does all of them. He's just – it yeah. was just amazing. Genius. Um, or John, Johnny Cash, I would have loved to have interviewed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good one. But I'm going to stick with sports people and – when one when a sport that is played been played for a hundred almost one hundred and fifty years that has billions of followers has one person that is so far ahead of the pack, why wouldn't you want to interview Sir Donald Bradman? I mean, that he's he he is so far ahead in performance and statistics and achievements of anybody else that's ever played the game. And we've seen some brilliant batsmen in our lives from Australia, from West Indies, from India, England, and none of them, you know, I tell that I wrote the in the Encyclopedia of Cricketers, I explained to best explain his greatness, I tell the maybe apocryphal story of an American tourist, an American who'd heard of Sir Donald Bradman and wanted to know why he's held in such high esteem. And the person said, look, in test cricket, you're a very good test batsman if you average over 40. Mm. If you average over 45, between 45 and 50, you're one of the best of your era. Anybody who finishes a test career over 50, between 50 and 55, is a legend of the game. There are a rare few between 55 and 60, they are the superstars. And over 60, there's three or four batsmen in the history of the game, but all of them under 63. And then it was explained that 
a test average between 65 and 70, nobody. Between 70 and 75, no one. 75 to 80, 80 to 85, nobody. 85 to 90, nobody. 90 to 95, nobody. And then there's one man who averaged <laughs> 99.94 in his career. <laughs> and that puts him in a different stratosphere. So to be able to talk to the man that has dominated such a widely played sport like no person in any other sport in the history of mankind would be my ultimate interview. Yeah. Yeah, very good call. Interesting human yeah. being, wasn't he? I mean, just as a bloke. Oh, not, not loved by his players. I haven't heard him interviewed. He was as boring as that shit. I know his achievements are great, but. Yeah, well, you know, that mean, would be. Sort of the- like you'd want to have a beer with him. That's that would be the art of the interview. Yeah, correct. Well, to try, yeah. to try and fathom his greatness, and there are certain things that I would ask him. He once got his people were so fascinated by his domination, he actually had his eyesight and reflexes tested. All right, and they came back below average. Really? Yeah. He was also brilliant at other sports. He was a brilliant pianist. Um, but yeah, and his captaincy was you know, there's a great quote of his captaincy, and I think it was you know, the quote, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was who was the great Australian spinner? Not it was Bill O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly, yeah, yeah, Bill O'Reilly said, What sort of captain was um, Donald Bradman? So, Donald Bradman, and he said, Look. I'm not sure he was a great captain, but he had a magnificent record. But then again, he had Donald Bradman in the team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he didn't need didn't need hell of a lot more after that. He's an amazing uh, human being. I've got a letter that uh, that he sent me back when I asked him for an interview in 1984. Um, yep. uh, I wanted to, to to interview him uh, for my radio show uh, at that stage on 3XY, and uh, he sent me a lovely letter back, knocking me back, saying no, yep. uh, not at this yep. time. Thank you very much, and uh, appreciate it. But uh, and I. I thought, oh, my God, I got a letter from Donald Rabin. And I, then I found out from Ken Peace <laughs> that he wrote back to every single person who ever wrote to him. So there's 75 million people in the world who have a Donald Bradman letter. Every request, every yep. every trading card that was sent to him, he signed and returned. Yep. I remember there's a great letter at the Hampton Cricket Club. The Hampton Cricket Club was formed on the day Sir Donald Bradman was born. All right. And they made him aware of it. There's a beautiful framed letter at the Hampton Cricket Club thanking him, thanking them for the observation, wishing them all the best. Would have been on his stationery too because he had his had personalised stationery. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you're right. He was not the most um, thrilling of individuals, but there are amazing things, uh, amazing stories about the boat trips to England. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. For example, um, Luke brains out, no doubt. Pardon? No, no, he was he was first. He, he was first on first to bed, and but he regaled everybody with his piano playing on the trips, etc. Yeah, you know, there's the great story of Keith Miller on those trips, of course, because you know they they set up training facilities on the deck of the boat, and they trained all the way to England, and he came back. Sweating one day, and one of his teammates said, "Have you just had a net?" And he said, "Yes." And I had her sister Gloria as well. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Keith Miller is someone who I, if I was picking sporting people, he'd be he'd be yeah, on my he list. Wouldn't be, he wouldn't be far off. Of oh me. yeah, he'd be on my list. You know, yeah. <laughs> walking out onto the ground, stories of him. You know, so you stand over there, and the rest of you just the rest of you can piss off somewhere and find somewhere to stand. He was not the world's greatest captain, and uh, but one of the world's most colourful men, I think. Yep, he would have been terrific. Right I, up. I, heard an, I heard an interesting stat today. About? Again, Robert Craddock. Oh, yeah. Do you know before Pat Cummins, in 834 test matches, Australia had only been captained by a fast bowler in one test? Oh, geez, I wonder, I'm trying to think, uh, modern modern day or early early years? Uh, just before our time. So in the 50s? Alan Davidson <laughs> might have captained Australia once. No, no, he, di- no he didn't. But- Robert Craddock said he should have. Yeah, yeah, he probably should have because um, he was around when Richie was captaining. Uh, yeah. Before that, uh, do, 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 I was around then. Okay. Uh, no, Dave Renneberg was 70s. Uh, I'm trying to think of someone who captained there. No, I can't think of anyone. Who was it? Ray Linwell. One t- one, uh, in one t- as a standing captain. But he the, pointed out that the prejudice against fast bowlers Prevented Jeff Lawson from captaining, who he said was a brilliant captain in New South Wales. Yeah, he was. So, yeah, just an interesting aside. Yeah, there you Back go. to you. And Jeff Thompson, he worked. Oh, if Tomo should have been allowed to captain Australia, God. He said, he said Jeff Thompson should have captained, could have captained Australia. So he said when Kim Hughes was captain, he said Jeff Thompson actually captained Queensland and they did brilliantly under him. Yeah, he did because he was getting the most money. That They made him captain because he was getting <laughs> yeah, 633000 But he said the players loved him. Yeah, everyone loved Tomo. But, but he said Alan Davidson was overlooked for Ian Craig, which, is, which was ridiculous. Oh, God, yes, that's right. Yes, Ian Craig. Oh, jeez, yeah, that was a mistake. Um, yeah. Mr Mannix, what are you, who's the third of your three? Uh, look. Yeah, fine, just continuing the theme. You got a bloke that likes sticking it in a hole. You got another bloke like punching people in the ring, and now you got a guy who could really work his back. Wow. Disgusting, uncalled for, unnecessary, unwarranted. It's quite it's quite amazing how you've managed to turn Tiger Woods, Muhammad Ali, and Sir Donald Bradman into a porn film. But anyway, move on, Brian. What else what have you got? That's the brilliance of it all. Yes. Um, number one, well, this is a surprise anybody. He's going to piss off a few people, but I think he's the most interesting bloke on the planet. Um, I'm talking about Donald Trump and Donald Trump, like, you know, that he's so funny. Um, you know, he says, you know, he can be serious and he's got really good policies, I think, but, you know, there's a thing I put on about the, the electric tanks on, um, Twitter. Yes. This week. And um, it's basically hanging shit on the idea of electric tanks because you're blowing the shit out of the enemy, but at least you know you're not polluting their environment. So you've got to have a trailer behind the tank that's bigger than the tank to hold the batteries. Just... Anyway, I just figured, look, well, you know, if people don't know this is a Trumpism, see how it, see how it goes over. 51,000 listens. To this thing. Oh, goodness and, me. And I think, you know, if people actually bother to listen to what he says, not how he says it, I think people would be surprised. But, you know, I know a lot of people are going to hate the idea of that, but stuff it. You know, I've got to make a really good television show here or whatever I'm doing, and I think Trump is going to be 
He's going to deliver big time. Well, Finley and I high-fiving each other because we were absolutely 100% correct that we knew he'd be number one. I didn't get it. Oh, didn't you? I, I, no, I would have thought Trump, but I was sure he was going to say Elvis Presley. Ah, yeah, oh. good, uh, good call. Yeah, no, I thought yeah, I knew yeah. it to be. I knew it to be Trump. Yeah, I probably should have found a spot for Elvis. Well, he would have been so. You know, it depends on what part of his career. You know, when he's having 140 pills a day, he wouldn't be much conversation. Well, <laughs> like like finding with Muhammad Ali, you want the the you know the coherent. Uh, pre-pill um, version of Elvis, probably the Elvis around about 1968, 69, after he did that TV show. But Elvis would sort of be polite and say the right things, whereas Keith Richards is just going to say whatever the hell's on his mind. Yeah. I, 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 I think you're going to get more honesty. You're going to get more PR out of Elvis and more sort of rock and roll sort of shit out of Keith. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt about that. Don't have any doubt about that. But uh, I don't think Elvis was a saint, and I think if you could get him away from all the handlers and the minders and all the people around him, you might uh, you might just scratch the surface and find out what was going on underneath all that. He might start karate chopping. He might. Because I've been doing this Elvis podcast with uh, with Mark Andrew, who, who's terrific, um, and we've been talking to all these people who are inner sanctum Elvis people, like he's, you know, th- the next one we're doing is his hairdresser, but we've had... One of the girls who, who used to stand at the gate and uh, in LA and and meet him and uh, his tour producer and one of his uh, security guards and the stories they tell about him he was he was quite the lad uh, you know around the place he wasn't he certainly wasn't his hairdresser would be great because his hairdresser introduced him to all these religious books and almost yeah like well he was hairdresser so and good. spiritual advisor yeah Larry Geller his name is so he's he's That's on the right. he's on the next one in a couple of weeks. Um, my number one. Now, didn't like him. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my number one. So I've got uh, so let's have a Tiger Woods, Muhammad Ali, Sir Donald Bradman for Finey, Keith Richards, uh, Quentin Tarantino, and Donald Trump for Brian. Um, a Beetle. I'm not not fast. Which one? Um, and Ricky Gervais, uh, number two. My number one. Uh, I've been trying for months and months to get one bloke, and I've he, he was on my list, and I've I've taken him off the list. Um, even though I think he's a fascinating human being, it would be in my apologies list. But there's one bloke that is – I've done something with him on the air sort of-ish, but not not an actual interview as such. Um, I've always been fascinated with him. I've always thought he was um, the closest thing that I've seen in this country to an entertainment genius. Um, I think he's – I think he's – as an actor, I think he's brilliant. Um, I think he's a great writer. Um, and I speak of Gary McDonald. Who I've always uh, had a, incredible admiration for what he did with, even before Norman Gunston, but the Norman Gunston thing, and then Mother and Son, and uh, and some of the yeah. stuff that he's done since, and some of the things that he's told us about his life um, since then, um, you know, the the paralyzing anxiety that he suffers from, um, uh, and how he's dealt with that, uh, his long term marriage to Diane Craig, the actress. Um, I've just always thought I would love to. Sit down and have a chat with him. David Wenham got him for an, an ABC uh, series that he was doing. I think it was to mark some anniversary of the ABC, and he did uh, a series of five or six interviews, and he got Gary for that. And uh, I was incredibly envious of of that. And uh, and Gary was a fantastic guest on that, just sitting talking, being himself. Um, I've always thought he would be uh, a hell of an interview and someone that uh, I greatly admire and and uh, and think would be. 
fascinating if you could uh, sit down and have a, have a good chat with him. Uh, he's, he's at the top of my list. Excellent. Okay. Just, just quickly, all of us have got to pick one from the – you can pick three, one from your own, one from Kev's, one from mine, and quickly make the top the top. See who's the best. This is one that we decide is the best. That's so good. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? So I'm going to yep. say from Kev, I'm going to have Ricky Gervais. Yeah. And from uh, Finey, I'm going to go with – who is number two? Ali. Oh, yeah, I'll go with Muhammad Ali, yeah, for sure. Okay. And for me, I'll go with Trump. Okay. Okay. Right, out of your lot, I'm going to go with Keith. Yep. I think Keith's the most fascinating one there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go Donald Bradman out of Finey's mm-hmm. and mine, mine will be Gary McDonald. Finey? Okay. I'm going Ali. Yep. Even though I had him at two, I probably should have had him at one. Yeah. Brian is correct. Donald could be a bit dry, Sir Donald. Yeah. Um, I will go, I'm not going Donald Bradman, but I would go Donald Trump. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And Ricky Gervais. So I've got the same three as Brian. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. That's the, they're our winners. There you go. Well, they, I've, I've, I've tipped the same three, so you can't beat me. <laughs> uh, there you go. It's just oh, it's go. just going to carry over and carry over and carry <laughs> over. Uh, that was good fun. Uh, that was that was interesting. Some interesting people. Yeah, yeah Don uh, Sir Don might be a bit dry, but I see. I, I'm fascinated. One of the things I'm fascinated about Sir Donald Bradman to find out his his uh, take on his son changing his name. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You know, I always thought that was you know because I, I did a father son book as you you both know. And that was one thing that always fascinated me when I talked to all the other father sons. It was like they were happy; they knew it was part of their thing. But with Bradman's son, it was like, oh no, I need to design. Yeah, I need. Did, didn't, he, didn't he change it back? Yes, he did. Well, he changed it to Jardine. Sir <laughs> <laughs> so Donald Jardine. Yes, why not? Uh, God, Hugo Weaving wasn't he good in that film as Jardine? Jesus, he was good oh, in that. Oh, oh, he, was, he was so good in that. Um, all right, well, we'll do something different next week. I'm not sure what, but we will. Uh, and we're, we're heading towards our Christmas break. We're still going to take a break, Finey. Um, yep. Yeah. So we'll be off for a foot. Um, no, for a <laughs> you know what we need. You know what we need for the Christmas show? What do we need? We for- need Finey to go and take our little mate down at the Regic shop, a little Merry <laughs> Christmas present, so we can get a little update on how that means. Has he closed down yet, Finey? I've been past there. He's not there anymore. I reckon he sold it. Ah, there you go. Had a feeling. Uh, Had a feeling. Yeah. Had a feeling. He's gone in the. the, He's he's now running a a, a chain of tobacconist stores across Melbourne. It's going very well, too. (laughs) Uh, They're they're on fire, apparently. Apparently, he's doing his own. He's doing his own podcast, taking the piss, taking the piss out of me. <laughs> yeah. How many, how many <laughs> listeners you got on your podcast, funny? I got millions. Uh, I had this <laughs> idiot. I had this idiot. He come into the store. <laughs> oh, he was crazy. He wanted you can learn a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's what we're finding. We look up, uh, go, uh, just Google ukulele lessons in the, on the south side of Melbourne. You'll find him there. Uh, <laughs> Chuckles, the ukulele expert. <laughs>
he goes. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he thought he had a beautiful voice. He couldn't sing at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Um, have a lovely week, boys. I shall uh, I shall talk to you next week. We'll look forward to it. Uh, so do hey, I. Good night. Good night. See you, boys. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. 